What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports for Friday, October 27th. I'm watching live. The Dodgers are currently losing 3-5 to five in the bottom of the 7 to the Astros. Um, I think it's pretty clear from the World Series games we've seen so far. This is Game 3. The Astros can absolutely hang with the L.A. Dodgers. The Dodgers are the team I picked to win the World Series. I picked them to win in 5. And I even expected them to lose uh, to Justin Verlander, even though... The game didn't go like I expected. I did not believe the Dodgers were going to win Game 2 of the World Series. But I did not expect the Astros to come out and absolutely dominate with their bats at, in, in like the, they hit the home run in the 9th, the 10th, and the 11th. That's unbelievable. That, I don't, I've never seen that happen. It's an anomaly. Didn't expect that. And right now, losing 5-3, to three, the Dodgers are they're very quickly losing. I'm losing faith in the Dodgers. They can win the, game, the series in five games. Kind of a weird episode today. It's a, it's late. It's eight twenty-seven on a Friday night. Normally, I wouldn't be recording this this late, but I had a crazy day, long day. I still want to get. Out. I have a lot of things to say, and I want to start with this. On Wednesday night, something happened, and and what I really struggle, what I hate about this show the most. If I had my way, I would do strong opinion sports five days a week. Currently, that's not possible. So I do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If I had done a show on Thursday, I would have come out and lambasted. John Wall. I would have destroyed John Wall. And I really wanted to talk about this. Do you know what an apologist is? An apologist is a person who argues in defense of something controversial. There are a lot of John Wall apologists out there in the world. All offseason I heard this, and, and I argue to this day with my friends about John Wall. John Wall is, ab- in my opinion, John Wall is absolutely overrated. John Wall is not the superstar we all think he is. And I have no evidence that John Wall is a great basketball player. He, he's a, sorry, he's a great basketball player. He's not the superstar, the, the elevated figure we all want to put on him. He, he's a great basketball player, don't get me wrong, but he's not the superstar everyone wants him to be. We want John Wall to be a superstar. He is not. You know, I was really excited because we watched Lonzo Ball on Wednesday night. Lonzo Ball and John Wall go head to head. And even though the stats say that, you know, the stats say that John Wall won the matchup, which he did, he had better stats. At the end of the day, Lonzo Ball won the game. And that was very telling. I've said this all offseason. The entire time I've done the show, I've said that big players step up in big games. I, I criticized Kirk Cousins last week on Monday, earlier this week on Monday, and I will criticize John Wall again. Big players step up in big games. And this isn't even that big of a game. You're playing the LA Lakers who aren't that good. You are a playoff team stepping down playing the bad Los Angeles Lakers and the rookie point guard Lonzo Ball. Here's what I love about Lonzo Ball. You can argue about stats all day. He doesn't need stats to win a game. Lonzo Ball, what I love about the way Lonzo Ball plays basketball is he doesn't need to shoot the ball with a high percentage. He doesn't need to score a ton of points to still contribute and help his team win. Because of the way he plays basketball with assists, with sharing the ball, Lonzo Ball is incredible. The story of Wednesday night was not Lonzo Ball. Even though everyone's so excited Lonzo Ball beat John Wall is a big deal, the story of the night was John Wall. He did not show up. It, Lonzo, John Wall didn't make it happen. I am waiting and waiting and waiting for John Wall to make it happen, to win a playoff series, to beat easy games and obvious games that you should win like Lonzo Ball. John Wall has not. I want to see John Wall step up and win big games. And until he is, I will not put him on a pedestal. 
He is not the superstar everyone believes that he is. Another thing that really surprised me from last week, uh, Joe Girardi was not picked up again to be the Yankees head coach. Joe Girardi wasn't fired. Joe Girardi's contract ended, and they simply didn't re-sign him. They didn't bring him back, which was it was really weird considerably. Like he, Joe Girardi's got a resume that's unbelievable, a resume that's really hard to live up to. Here are the things that Joe Girardi has done in his 53 years on planet Earth. He's been a broadcaster. He's had a 15-year career as the Yankees catcher. He graduated from a tough school in Chicago, Northwestern. And he spent 10 years as the manager of the New York Yankees. 10 years. He even won a World Series for the New York Yankees as the manager. My, my reaction to this is, all good things come to an end. And Joe Girardi was a good thing for the Yankees. And the time has come that it needed to end. I'm not angry. I'm not freaking out. A lot of people are, I think, overreacting about this. I think it's, it's time. And clearly, I don't know what the Yankees are thinking. I don't know what their plan is. Clearly, the Yankees have a plan. I would love, I would kill to be a fly on the wall to understand what that is. Uh, we did see Joe Girardi's lowest point as a manager when he cost them a game. Uh, a series they ultimately won in the playoffs. But Joe Girardi, maybe he's not evolving with the times. I don't know what the deal is. I'm surprised, but I'm not angry. I just, instead of criticizing the Yankees and being outraged, I chose to look at it this way. All good things come to an end. Joe Girardi had an incredible career. He's done amazing things in his lifetime. I don't want to celebrate Joe Girardi. I want to applaud him. He did a fantastic job. I think he took the Yankees to heights even even farther than I believed the Yankees could go this offseason. So Joe Girardi, well done. You're incredible. You're a, a man above all men, and you have done a, such a great job as the Yankees head coach. Uh, it's a manager, sorry. It, it's a bummer you're gone. Um, but wow, Joe Girardi... What an incredible guy. Bucky Brooks. Has anyone heard that name, Bucky Brooks? Oh, man. Bucky Brooks is a former NFL player and former NFL scout. He is now a really good broadcaster. He's a writer, and I I believe he's a really good broadcaster. He wrote a column last week describing why Andrew Luck should be traded from the Indianapolis Colts. And I want to point out, I respect, I, I very... Tremendously and strongly respect Bucky Brooks. He's a great broadcaster. He's got a lot of good things to say. I like his column. And, and here's the the kind of story and the outline that Bucky Brooks laid out. Why Andrew Luck should be traded. Andrew Luck hasn't played a full season t- since 2014. And since the beginning of 2015, he's only 10 and 12 as a starter. Andrew Luck, he says Andrew Luck is not elite. Andrew Luck is more valuable to the Colts, according to Bucky Brooks, as an asset to trade than as a franchise quarterback. Now, I completely disagree with this, but I do appreciate, you know, I, I made a good last in last episode on Wednesday, me, Mark and Drake all had a, a debate about the college football playoff. My debate, I thought was pretty good. I made some good points, but ultimately I lost the debate. Bucky Brooks makes some good points here. He's got good things to say, good arguments, but I just, I can't agree with him. And regardless, even if he's right, Andrew Luck will never be traded from the Indianapolis Colts. You you do not want to be known as the general manager. You do not want to be the general manager who traded and got rid of Andrew Luck. 
I had a really good friend of mine named Tyler growing up. Tyler, awesome dude. He's a firefighter. He does some cool stuff. Tyler loves cars. But you don't want to be like Tyler. Here, here's what I mean. Listen to this story. Tyler had a Dodge Dart he fixed up. It was worth a lot of money. It was fast. It was awesome. He had, he had a great car. It's called a Dodge Dart. It was fantastic. Tyler sold his Dodge Dart, got rid of it. His great sports car that went really fast. It was fun. It worked really well. Great engine. It was fantastic. Cars, Tyler's a car guy, though. He, was, he likes to tinker and fix and work with cars. So Tyler traded. He, he sold his Dodge Dart and bought a 1965 Chevy pickup. That Chevy pickup had so many issues. And Tyler loved it. Tyler thought it was a blast. You know, he got to replace the engine and replace this and replace that. And he spent like 12 grand on his car. But for the six months Tyler owned that car, for the first six months, Tyler needed to get rides everywhere because Tyler didn't have a car that worked. And Tyler honestly looked like an idiot. He sold his Dodge Dart. His car that worked fantastically, his sports car that was fast and fun and worth a lot of money, an awesome car. He got rid of that and bought a car that didn't work. So in hindsight, you can argue that Tyler looked like an idiot. He got rid of his awesome car for a car that didn't work. You can say the same thing. It's too risky. You can't get rid of Andrew Luck. You cannot trade Andrew Luck. That is too much of a risk. I strongly urge against making that mistake. You do not want to be the general manager that is known for trading away Andrew Luck, especially if he's successful somewhere else. And if you're not successful, it doesn't matter. Now, Bucky Brooks made the good point. He said that, well, you can trade Andrew Luck and get a, a, a fantastic roster. He references the Herschel Walker trade a long time ago that really bolstered, I believe it was the Cowboys roster at the time. But here's the thing. You need a quarterback to win in the NFL. I've said this all season. I've said this time and time and time again. You cannot win games in the NFL without a quarterback. You don't want to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars have a great defense, but they couldn't, can't win without a quarterback. The Broncos, great defense, can't win without a quarterback. The Houston Texans for years had the best roster in the NFL, now overtaken by the Chiefs. But the Texans had a great roster for years and years and years. And yet, without a quarterback, the Texans could not win in the NFL. You need a quarterback to win games in the NFL. So, Andrew Luck, well, he might be worth a lot as a trade asset. Do not trade Andrew Luck. That would be a huge mistake. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I need some water. Subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. Tell your friends about the show. I want it to grow. Our audience is growing. It's a ton of fun. Please share this with your friends. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'll be right back. One of the big news stories this week is that Dante Hightower, the Patriots linebacker, is injured and out for the season. Now, the narrative around this is somewhat is saying that the Patriots season is over. The Patriots defense can't win without Dante Hightower. Um, and I, w- I acknowledge, this is a big loss for the Patriots. The Patriots uh, use Dante H- Hightower like the quarterback of their defense. Dante Hightower is really important to the Patriots' defense. The Patriots will be all right. Here's why the Patriots will survive without Dante Hightower. And, and it is admittedly really sad, too, because the Patriots' defense finally seemed like it made a breakthrough. Like the Patriots' defense was finally turning a corner and getting better. 
but they're going to be okay. It's going to be a hiccup. They're not going to be. They're not excited. They lost Dante Hightower, but they will be okay. And here's why: all season long, I've compared the Patriots to a secure stock, a stock like Google or Facebook or Microsoft, where a st- when Google has a a rough day, when something goes wrong for Google, there might be a dip. Microsoft may have a dip, a, a load, a day where the stock is down. But Microsoft is a secure stock. There's good. There's a good foundation there. It's a company. You, there's a good foundation there. It's a company you believe in. The Patriots have a great owner, Robert Kraft, the best coach ever and the best quarterback ever, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. The Patriots have a solid foundation, and they're built on a system that does not depend on players. The New England Patriots will endure. They will be fine. The Patriots are not beholden to any players on their roster. Maybe maybe Tom Brady, but other than Tom Brady, and I don't even know that that's true because they have Jimmy Garoppolo. The Patriots are the kind of franchise, because they do not depend on star players to win them games, they depend on their system. They depend on their play design and play calling and structure. Do your job and the Patriots will win games. That's how their mantra works. Look at the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs have had stars, but they've never had the guy. Like, they've had Tim Duncan. He was great, but when Tim Duncan retired, the Spurs stayed good because the Spurs are built on a system. If the Spurs lost Kawhi Leonard, they would take a dip, yes, but they would still be okay. I think they would win games because they have a great system in place. Now, if LeBron left the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers are done because the way the Cavaliers work, the Cleveland Cavaliers rely on LeBron James to win them games. A system is sustainable if you lose players. A team that depends on players loses players and crumbles. But the Patriots are built on a system that does not rely on players. So the Patriots will be okay without Dante Hightower. Okay, I really want to I want to talk about this next. It's a kind of out of left field, but it's been on my heart a lot. I want to talk about LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball is the dad of Lonzo Ball, the Lakers' star point guard. And LeVar Ball is known for having a big mouth and saying audacious things. And I, I want to say right now, LeVar Ball, if you ever want to come on my show, I know you, you played basketball at Washington State University. I would love to have you on my show. I think LeVar Ball and I would get along fantastic. I think it'd be fun. I love the guy. I, I really do like the guy, the dad, LeVar Ball. He does some things I don't support. I don't like uh, what he did to Christine Leahy, for example. Uh, he does. He said some things that are like, eh, I don't support that. But I like LeVar Ball. I think he's a great, one of the great dads of all time. I, I really believe that. I, I don't have any problem with the way he raises his kids. And I really think, look at what he's done. LeVar Ball's kids are, you know, he, all three had, had scholarships and have scholarships to UCLA. And Lonzo Ball is killing it in the NBA. He's got a son that's... I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he can even play college basketball, but he's done good things, and his, his sons are very successful. The question everyone's asking, and, and I've been reading this a lot and debating this a lot with people, should the media give LeVar Ball a platform? Should we interview LeVar Ball before Lonzo's games or after Lonzo's games? Or how much is too much to hear from LeVar Ball? And it's controversial. A lot of people don't like LeVar Ball. I say this. The answer is very simple. Should we give LeVar Ball a platform? <clears throat> yes. Undoubtedly, yes. 
What is sports media about? Interesting. Can you be interesting? LeVar Ball is very interesting. That's, that's my whole show is based on that. Can I say things that are interesting and grab your attention? Can I make you care about the stories? LeVar Ball is interesting. I, I, don't, I don't know what the right way to go about it. Do we interview him after every game or before? But I think really we should keep giving LeVar Ball a mic. Keep putting a microphone in front of LeVar Ball's face until the public doesn't care about LeVar Ball anymore. And then even then, even when we don't care about hearing from him after every single game, after Lonzo's big games, after LaMelo's big moments, when his sons do big things, I still want to hear from LeVar Ball because it's part of the fun. It's part of the circus. LeVar Ball is very, very interesting. He's, I, I really do think he's a, he means well. I don't think he, he means to be, I know he rubs people the wrong way. I don't get the sense that he's a bad guy though. He's done things, again, I don't support, but I'm a fan of the guy. I enjoy hearing what he has to say. I think it's entertaining. It's fun. And I think we should continue to, I think the media should continue to cover LeVar Ball. I want to hear what LeVar Ball has to say about his children. And, And the other argument is, well, we don't put the mic in front of Tom Brady's dad or other people's dad. That's because other people's dads aren't as interesting as LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball is just fascinating. I really, really enjoy listening to his interviews and go listen to is Chris Broussard had him sit down and there's a video on YouTube on Chris Broussard's podcast. They sat down and had a very candid, honest interview and it was just a ton of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. I loved hearing from LeVar Ball. I want to shift our focus now to this. Uh, last night, the Raiders and Dolphins played on Thursday night football and it was just a terrible, it was a terrible game. A terrible matchup. The, the Ravens won 40 to nothing over the Dolphins. And there weren't that many, you know, there were like about three interesting things that happened last night. And two of them weren't even related to football. It's just, it's just disappointing. And this is not any one of those three things, but, you know, I really bet this game had bad ratings. I really, you know, and, and I remember when, when Jay Cutler got hurt and people were saying, well, Matt, Moore, we have Matt Moore. The Dolphins have Matt Moore. Matt Moore is a great quarterback. I never bought that. I didn't buy that at all. Because if Matt Moore, the backup quarterback for the Dolphins, was any good, why did we sign? Why did the Dolphins sign Jay Cutler at all? You wouldn't have. It makes no sense. If Matt Moore was that great, you wouldn't have gotten Jay Cutler when Ryan Tannehill got hurt. And I really hope another thought about this game. I really hope Adam Gase, the Dolphins quarterback, is a, a quarterback. The Dolphins head coach. I really hope Adam Gase, the Dolphins head coach, is not fired at the end of this season. Because we have not really even given him a chance to be successful. He's not at a quarterback yet. Ryan Tannehill was finally supposed to have a break. If Ryan Tannehill had played all year this year and been awful, then yeah, move on from Adam Gase. But I really believe he should give Adam Gase, the Dolphins head coach, a chance with Ryan Tannehill. Give him one year with Ryan Tannehill before you fire him. Because if they fire him this offseason, you're going to hear that from me all offseason. You never gave the guy a chance. You gave him Jay Cutler and Matt Moore. What the heck? So, here are, here are the three most interesting things from the Dolphins and Ravens game. Two of them are not football. One of them is a cat ran onto the field, and that was just... That's how, that's how sad this game was. A cat running on the field was more interesting than the actual score and watching the game itself. I just... I, I loved... I watched clip after clip of the cat running on the field. It was really fun. And Tony Roma broadcasting is the second thing. Tony Roma broadcasting is just interesting and phenomenal. I really... He's oddly quirky. 
I really just, I like listening to Tony Romo. He's a good broadcaster. It's a lot of fun. He's energetic. I love it. But here's the, the meat and potatoes of the Dolphins-Ravens game. Joe Flacco, the Ravens quarterback, was running down the sideline. And he, he slid really late and got hit. His helmet came off. He got, Joe Flacco got taken out of the game. Kiko Alonso was flagged, probably fined. I don't know if, he, let me look it up. I don't know if he got fined yet. But everyone's freaking out about this. And, and, and actually, and it's not even true. I'm hearing reactions from either side. I'm hearing support for Kiko Alonso, and I'm hearing a lot of support for Joe Flacco. Taking sides that, you know, it's a dirty hit, or, well, Joe Flacco didn't even give him a chance. So I wanted to discuss what happened. I want to discuss what happened. I love seeing... I, I enjoy seeing people on both sides because it, it's a good debate, right? Is the NFL taking it too far with protecting quarterbacks? Because quarterbacks are clearly... I played quarterback growing up. I, I played in high school. I broke some records. I played a little bit in college. And, and I would always run the ball in practice and people hated it because they knew they could And I knew why they hated it. They couldn't touch me. And it makes them angry because... I would make them look silly. In theory, they felt like I made them look silly because I'd run for like 20 yards and be like, well, we can't tackle you, so of course you're going to get 20 yards. The NFL rules are in a weird, tough place right now. And the NFL's got a big issue in general. You need to protect players because I know more and more people I grew up with are saying, I'm not going to let my kids play football. I don't want them to get hurt. That's scary. That, and that means the, the grouping of people that play in the NFL someday are going to be significantly lower than they are right now. And the truth is, I'm so glad I don't play defense. Because I don't know how I would tackle a quarterback in the NFL. It's, it's virtually impossible. We've seen guys in the past look like they're running out of bounds, and then they'll scamper for like 11 more yards. And you're like, well, I can't hit the guy late. I can't hit the guy even close to the sideline because he's giving himself up. Quarterbacks are almost overprotected. But you have to protect quarterbacks because if you don't, the NFL is going to continue having issues with people stopping to play football and that dangerous thought, the thought that the NFL is dangerous. So what do you do? I don't know. I don't have the answer. But I really I side with Kiko Alonso on this. Joe Flacco slid late. Joe Flacco did not. He did not. He, he looked like Joe Flacco was going for the first down, and then at the very last second, Joe Flacco decided to slide. I mean, what do you do there? How do you tackle a quarterback? I don't understand. I don't know what you do. I would hate to play defense in the NFL if I had to tackle a quarterback. Because quarterbacks are taking advantage of the system. It's an unfair system, and I don't know what the answer is, but Kiko Alonso should not get fined. So the NFL still, as of 11 hours ago, still reviewing the hit um, on Kiko Alonso. Uh, Kiko Alonso did defend himself. I'm reading this. He defended himself. I just, I don't think he should be fined. I don't think he should be, should be suspended. I think it's kind of unfortunate the way things went down, but I don't think Kiko Alonso did anything wrong. Okay. Let's shift gears to Ohio State and Penn State. Everybody bailed on Ohio State's chances to win the national. When Ohio State lost to Oklahoma, everybody bailed on Ohio State. They said Ohio State cannot win the national championship. They won't even make the college football playoff. Ohio State season is over. And if you remember the one of the first shows of the year, I predicted that Ohio State would win the national championship. And I'm standing by that decision. This weekend, Penn State plays Ohio State at Ohio State. It is the biggest game of the entire regular season in college football. It decides a playoff spot. 
And it decides who wins the Big Ten, in my opinion. Here's what I have to say about this. I am picking Ohio State to win this game and eventually, again, go on to win the national championship. There are two teams that look just physically different in college football. Ohio State and Alabama. Ohio State and Alabama just are physically on another level. Yes, Ohio State lost a fluky game to Oklahoma where they struggled at quarterback and had a bad game. It happens. Clemson last year lost a game and still won the national championship. But here's why I really think Ohio State matches up really well with Alabama. Let's compare the things that matter. So head coaches, I think they're about equal. I know that people favor Nick Saban, but Urban Meyer's no slouch. It may be controversial for me to say that, but Urban Meyer and Nick Saban are fairly equivalent when it comes to who's a better coach. So it's a wash. Uh, athletes, how, how do these teams compare physically? Alabama and Ohio State, again, are just special physically. I think it's another wash. They compare very well to each other. But guess what? Quarterback. Ohio State wins this at quarterback. So wash at coach, which means that it's, it's, it's like a tie. It's a tie when it comes to physicality and athletes, athletes and quarterbacks. Ohio State wins. Ohio State, JT Barrett is a better quarterback than the Alabama quarterback. I can't remember his name right now. Jalen Hurts. JT Barrett is better than Jalen Hurts, Alabama's quarterback. So I really think Ohio State matches up well with Alabama and could beat Alabama and win the national championship. They will beat Penn State tomorrow, and it's going to be a fantastic game. I can't wait to watch it. Even if I'm wrong, it's just going to be a great, great game to watch. Penn State, Ohio State, cannot wait to watch that matchup. I want to end the show with this. There are four great NFL games this weekend. Three on Sunday, one on Monday. Uh, first of all, I- I'm going to pick these games. I'm going to pick who the winner, and then I'm, I'm going to so tell you what they are. I'm going to pick the winner, and then I'm going to end the show. The 3-3 three and three Cowboys play the 3-3 three and three Redskins. This is a great game. Both teams need a win. Both They're in the same division. It's a divisional game. They're both 3-3. Three and three. They need to win to stay in the playoff hunt. I said the NFC... East was the best division in football. I stand by that. The Eagles are fantastic. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. The Cowboys are really good. The, tech, the Redskins are really good. Even though they've got, had struggles, the Redskins are a fantastic football team. I still think it's possible. It's less and less likely because the Rams are really good taking up, which will, the Seahawks or the Rams are going to take a playoff spot. And so that means the Cowboys or the Redskins, whoever gets second in that division will get another wild card spot. And that's, it's, God, it's going to be really close. I'm picking the Cowboys to win this game. And ultimately, the Cowboys will beat the Redskins for the last playoff spot. Cowboys will win this weekend. The 3-3 three and three Texans also play the 4-2 and two Seahawks. It's a very interesting game because Deshaun Watson, the young rookie quarterback for the Texans, is going into CenturyLink, is it CenturyLink Field, whatever, wherever the Seahawks play up in Seattle, to play against the Legion of Boom, the very incredibly tough Seattle Seahawks defense. Young quarterbacks really struggle against the Seahawks. And my friends, no one believes that Deshaun Watson can have a great game. I believe in Deshaun Watson. I do not think he will be rattled. And I'm picking the Texans to beat the Seahawks. They have a way better roster. Uh, Not as good a quarterback, but a good enough quarterback to beat the Seahawks. And the Seahawks have really struggled. If the Seahawks play like they did in the first half of last week's game against the Giants, they will not win this game. It won't even be close. The Texans will beat the Seahawks. The three and four Raiders are playing the four and two Bills. The Bills have a great defense. 
The Raiders have a great quarterback. I'm picking the Raiders to win because Derek Carr is magical, and I think Derek Carr can really bring the Raiders back. The Bills might even have a good offensive day, but the Bills are 29th in the league in passing. The Bills are not an efficient passing team. And I do not, I do not believe in the Bills starting quarterback, Tyrod Taylor. The, Reds, the Raiders will beat the Bills. And on Monday Night Football... <clears throat> The Chiefs at 5-2 and two play the 3-3 three and three Broncos. It's a divisional game. It's very important to both teams. I sold. I got rid of the Broncos. The Broncos, I do not believe in them anymore. The Chiefs have lost two games in a row, and I do not. I think that will end this weekend. The Chiefs will make a comeback. The Chiefs will beat the Broncos, and it's, it's overall just going to be a great game. So, the great games this weekend. Cowboys-Redskins, Texans-Seahawks, Raiders-Bills, and Chiefs-Broncos. I think all four games will be close. All four games will be fun, and I encourage you to watch them. They're going to be fantastic television. Again, I'm picking the Cowboys to beat the Redskins, Texans to beat the Seahawks, Raiders to beat the Bills, and the Chiefs to beat the Broncos. My name is Zach Schumler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so much for listening. A weird show today, a short show, just a really rough day, a rough week. Um, I got a ton of stuff going on, but I'm excited for next week. I'm preparing for next week tonight and tomorrow. I want to do a great show Monday, a great show Wednesday, and a great show Friday and get them out by five o'clock. That is the goal for next week. We did three shows the last two weeks. Let's get a show out by five o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday next week. My name is Zach Shelmer. Subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube, and tell your friends about this show. Have a great day, everybody.